Meanwhile, recorded live in the Lava Lamp Lounge, it's somewhere in between a radio zine. News, music, culture, stories, and more. This show is what we make of it, and hopefully you'll join us in the fun, too. Now let's get started. And welcome to Remembering How All of This Gear Actually Works. It's issue 27. We now return you to your regularly scheduled broadcast already in progress. And we're back! And what a perfect time of the year to take off from talk radio than January. What could possibly be happening in... It was a scene of one of the darkest days in American history, a failed insurrection. It was a sea of lawlessness incited by the president storming the halls of Congress. Oh, right. That. (sighs) Well, in a way, it's a good thing that uh, I wasn't on the air because... This program isn't exactly a news program or a talk show of that variety. This is something else. And certainly, even if I had been making shows in January, I'm not sure I'd even know how to respond. (laughs) Uh, Suffice it to say, taking time off is actually part and parcel of how this program functions. It's what we do when we need to kind of focus on other things, but also to make sure that this program itself doesn't become stale, which is a long way of saying I need a break every once in a while. (laughs) And certainly we have found creative ways to make those breaks seem, well, seamless, hopefully. Anyway. We probably don't have to go back over what we have missed, but in a way, catching up is probably for the best. It has been a while since we've had a regular show. Sometime around the end of September, my schedule changes dramatically into holiday season mode. But it takes a lot out of us. And so the last time we just did a regular chat, a normal conversation just between you and I where we catch up on what's been happening in our lives and how things have been going and, well, how is that cat? Is is it okay? I'm really glad to hear that because that was worrisome. We just don't get to do that very often, unfortunately. Especially in the fall and winter when we're rapidly spending more and more time with our families and doing all of this other stuff that's very important, but certainly not very radio relevant. If we're not careful and considerate of how we make our shows and the way that we approach the creative process, we very quickly will lose the ability to make them and the energy within us to keep going. And it was with that in mind that I intentionally wanted to slow down the pace of this particular program. Every 12 issues, it's time to toss in a few reruns and maybe see where we've been and rejuvenate with the rest of the group. 
And that's been a pretty dependable routine, so I don't think we're going to stray too far from that path moving forward. However, there is something to be said for those longer breaks. It does create these unusual tensions where time is passing, the news is rapidly accruing in a way that seems strange and unfamiliar, and yet we have to keep going. There's this weird sense that all these pre-recorded things are kind of going out into the ether while the world around those radio programs has changed dramatically. It's part of that pre-recorded program problem that is certainly something I'm trying to figure out how to combat, and yet it's just part of the game now. Radio has changed so dramatically, especially in the COVID year that we've all spent together, that sometimes some of those old rules need to be thrown out. Because, well, in order to get mine now, we have to do something different. I'm perfectly ready to do something different with this show. That's been the basis of this program from the beginning. And I don't really want to change that anytime soon. But certainly, I am open to the idea that Maybe a prolonged break isn't quite how I should approach this moving forward. And yet, I'm not sure how else to do it. This would be a perfect time to hear your responses and your input, but why don't I just say that from here on out, we're going to make some new episodes for the month of February. We're going to make some new episodes for the month of March. And we're going to see if we can figure out a nice balance that suits both my needs and your needs. That holiday season break was certainly something that was very nice, where we we did a lot of different kinds of shows, and uh, we told some fun stories. And certainly the material we presented was very holiday-centric. But there's not a lot of holidays throughout the rest of the year. (laughs) They're kind of clustered in one part of the year, in a way. And so this gives us an opportunity to return to the kinds of stories that we know and love. And hopefully, we'll be able to hear some more from our listeners as well. The best part about this program is the interactivity. And I, for one, got into radio as a caller, as a listener, interacting with the DJs and the shows, because that really is the most fun. So let us know what you want to hear, let us know how you feel, and uh, let us know if this program is tickling that particular part of your brain that is what you want to have at this point in the morning. Anyway, okay, I think I got the uh, kinks worked out of my back, and I figured out how to work this chair here, and uh, yeah... Microphone seems to be recording. Index cards are here in place. I guess this means I have to do a radio show. When I was 16, I went on my very first date with a girl by the name of Emily. Last name withheld. And... 
She took me to a coffee shop that I returned to hundreds of times in my lifetime. In a lot of ways, my search for coffee sort of became emblematic and tied up in my search for my own sexuality, since pretty much all of my first dates were then and forever afterwards spent drinking coffee with someone. And pretty soon this habit goes from awkward and uncomfortable behavior that you're engaging in with a possible romantic partner, which in my case never actually ever goes anywhere, um, to very soon imbibing in that same thing on a daily ritualistic basis, sort of as a way to chase that same dragon in your everyday life. Of course, drinking coffee is actually pretty common. My parents did it. Uh, I don't know many people who don't. And those who certainly haven't gotten onto the coffee wagon have plenty of other wake-up habits and routines that are adjacent or parallel to that we're all basically of the same family. What I thought was really appealing about coffee was that it did have this sort of magic power to it, this sort of energizing quality that not only is the subject of songs and basically every conversation I had with almost all of my friends for years and years, but beneath it all, it has this sort of bonding element to it as well. You and your friends would get together and have coffee. You would talk about coffee. Coffee was at the center of so many social interactions that it just seemed really apparent to me that there was something about this substance that was very important. Needed some attention, as it were. And so, like a good teenager, when I lived on my own, I got a coffee maker, I bought coffee, I made it every day, and very soon I wanted it every day. And maybe want is probably a mild word. Certainly, I'm not the first to observe that coffee is one of those things that enables all of us to pursue a very light drug habit in public around friends and family, and no one bats an eye. That being said, coffee is pretty incredible. Not only the variety of tastes, the way it is made, but the regional devotion to it. I was just talking to someone the other day about how Duncan has this sort of magical control over people in certain parts of the country that is not at all the kind of coffee you would want to serve in others. Starbucks itself has sort of become a coffee shorthand or something like misusing the brand name of a soda when you really are just talking about getting any carbonated soda. Oh yeah, let's get a Starbucks. That just means coffee. And as I have gotten older, the role that coffee plays in our lives seems to have changed. When I was younger, it didn't seem like as many people went to public coffee shops unless you were going to be reading some poems or watching some scratchy 16mm film in the corner. But now, coffee shops seem to play a role in almost every aspect of everyone's lives. It's, in fact, a very normy, basic sort of thing to do. 
Now, all of that is neither here nor there, but certainly something happened this year where I changed the relationship with my coffee intake in a way that I was not enjoying. I'm already kind of prone to anxiety. The nervousness doesn't need much to take root in my body or soul. And something happened in November as the pandemic had been wearing down on us and as it seemed as if the world was not going to be having small holiday gatherings, but instead were going to have these same old, same old regular family holiday gatherings, I began to panic in a way that just didn't feel right after my 15th cup of coffee at the end of the day. I am related to a person who will drink coffee right up until he goes to bed, and in spite of all the things that my father's partner might say, he seems to think that this is a perfectly normal habit. Anyway, I decided one morning to not have coffee. After almost 30 years of dedicated drinking. Now, this is something I have done before. I'm not exactly a complete crazy person. I've built up to this, so to speak. Every once in a while, when I would get sick, I would just stop drinking coffee, and then, you know, maybe days or weeks later, I would pick it back up. And then, periodically, I just wake up one morning and say, mm, no, I don't need any. Which always kind of felt weird, but sometimes I could ride it out for a few days. But usually I would come back. It doesn't take much to make me want to pull out my custom sugar cubes and uh, reach for the creamer, if you know what I mean. A little coffee is a perfect way to get me on your side. But this time, it really did feel different, you know? It was almost akin to when I had quit smoking, where I knew I was about to have my last cigarette. But this time, I knew that I had had my, well, not last cup of coffee, but maybe the last one for now. And that was months ago now. I'll have a cup of tea every once in a while. I'm still a big drinker of uh, carbonated soda and that kind of thing. I could probably do with some moderation to some of my other addictions, so it's not exactly like the greatest thing in the world. Oh, wait, yeah, he gave up coffee. He's totally healthy now. <sighs> yeah. It's one step in a long series of steps towards self-improvement, and it's something that I would like to hopefully work on. But it does open up this other kind of thing that I've been considering, which is my relationship to dependencies or things that I must have in my life. Now, living under a pandemic, we have probably let a lot of our vices go, as it were. <laughs> Why not? We can't see our friends, our family, we're locked down, everyone's dying, the world's a mess, it's scary to go outside, so sure, you can have a little Irish coffee now and then, no one's gonna mind. But 
for all of that kind of thinking that has been going on, there was something in the back of my mind that told me, maybe I need to back it down just a smidge before this gets out of control. Not that I can't return and not that maybe there isn't a role for coffee in my life somewhere. But this felt like a challenge that I needed to take on in the same way that even though I didn't feel like I exactly wanted to quit smoking, I should probably do it just so that I know I can. The good news is that I haven't yet returned to smoking and I haven't yet returned to coffee either. But I still think about it, still dream about it, still remember the wonderful taste of a fresh hot cup in the morning, the uh, new discovery as I tinker with the particular mixture of things that go in my cup. Hmm, you know, maybe this week I'll try it this way. Oh, you know, actually, I've been really enjoying it this way. Let's do that again. It was certainly a socializing concept and object, and I'm going to miss going to coffee with people when we can do that again. But for right now, I think about the anxiety that has sort of rippled away into the background. I think about not waking up in the middle of the night, panicked and sweating. And I think about how in the morning I actually feel like I have a little more energy. And I've even been exercising lately. What the hell is wrong with me? I wish some of this was connected to it being a new year or that there was a resolution somehow that was binding all this and making it happen, but no, no. Nothing that crazy or over the top. Certainly, I'm just a middle-aged man in my 40s trying to figure out the perfect blend of diet and vice to get me through the day. With all of the excitement of the holiday season, I actually fell behind on something that I was really hoping I would be able to continue more of on this program. And so this does require a little bit of setup since it has been a while since we checked in with our good friend Flan O'Brien. We last checked in with this particular narrative in issue 10. So uh, to set the stage here before I dive into reading more. Let's just imagine that our narrator here is a enterprising person who has decided that he is engaging in the operation of a business that handles books for particularly wealthy customers who may not have read the books, and so the books do not look like they have been read by the person who owns them. So the book handling service will come into the home, handle the books, and, you know, perhaps put an inscription in them or underline a passage or leave a random bookmark in one page so that the book does look like it has been read by the owner. So we have been reading selections from this particular piece by Flan O'Brien, and uh, 
why don't I just let the rest of the story speak for itself? And now, continued selections from Whamma, etc. From The Best of Miles by Flan O'Brien. Furthermore, that, of course, is not all. Listen to this. Not less than six volumes to be inscribed with forged messages of affection and gratitude from the author of each work. Example. From your devoted friend and follower, K. Marx. Dear A.B., your invaluable suggestions and assistance, not to mention your kindness in entirely rewriting Chapter 3, entitles you surely to the first copy of Tess. From your old friend, T. Hardy. Short of the great pleasure of seeing you personally, I can only send you, dear A.B., this copy of The Night. I miss your company more than I can say. Signature undecipherable. Under the last inscription, the moron who owns the book will be asked to write, and shown how, if necessary, the phrase, poor old Weisel did his best. All of this has taken me longer to say than I thought. There's far more than this to be had for the paltry sum of 32 pounds, 7 shilling, 6 pence that the superb handling will cost you. In a day or two, I hope to explain about the old letters, which are inserted in some of the books by way of forgotten bookmarks. Every one of them an exquisite piece of forgery. Order your copy now. Book Handling I promise to say a little more about the fourth, or superb, grade of book handling. The price I quoted includes the insertion of not less than ten volumes of certain old letters, apparently used at one time as bookmarks, and forgotten. Each letter will bear the purported signature of some well-known humbug who is associated with ballet, verse-mouthing, folk-dancing, wood-cutting, or some other such activity that is sufficiently free from rules to attract the non-brows in their swarms. Each of the letters will be a flawless forgery and will thank A.B., the owner of the book, for his very kind interest in our work refer to his invaluable advice and guidance, his unrivaled knowledge of the Lep-as-Lepcan game, his patient and skillful direction of the Corps on Monday night, thank him for his very generous, too generous, subscription of 200 guineas, which is appreciated more than I can say. As an up-to-the-minute inducement, an extra letter will be included free of charge. It will be signed, or purport to be signed, by one or other of the noisier young non-nationals who are honoring our beautiful land with their presence. This will satisfy the half-ambition of the majority of respectable vulgarians to maintain a second establishment in that somewhat congested thoroughfare, Queer Street. And that's going to do it for us this week here on the program. Somewhere in between a radio zine, we now return you to your regularly scheduled broadcast, already in progress. Issue 27 contained rejuvenated and refreshed radio bits. We're back! Quitting Coffee and more selections from Wemma, etc. Written by Flan O'Brien and Austin Rich and read by Austin Rich. Valentine's Day is just around the corner. 
and we urge you desperately to ignore that fact entirely and persist in your current relationship status in spite of that holiday. This episode was produced by Austin Rich in the Lava Lamp Lounge and was assembled using only the finest in 20th century technology. In the long-standing tradition of most zines, there is an open submission policy here. If you have a story you'd like to send in, read, or just want to be a part of the show, why not drop a line to austinrich at gmail.com? That's going to do it for us this week. You guys are wonderful. You guys are beautiful. And without you, there would be no program. Be seeing you. Thank you.